All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Let Us Rest podcast, where we embrace the power of slowing down. Um, I'm so excited to be joined by one of my dear friends, Janelle Paciencia, aka Janelle Takes <laughs> Photos or Janelle Adventures on Instagram. I am always talking about how she takes the best photos of me, hands down. So I'm so psyched to have you on. Um, and we have a little bit of soothing sounds background noise today I don't know if you can hear it it's raining pretty hard outside um but hopefully you all can still hear me um as always I like to mention that this podcast is fully self-funded um I pay all my guests I pay for transcription services I pay for all of the podcast streaming services which speaking of major update we are now on Spotify and Apple Music I, like, did a happy dance, like, 10 minutes ago, because I finally figured out how to get my podcast on the platforms that people are actually using, which is so exciting. Um, I don't know if they're live yet, but they will be, and I will absolutely share those links when they go live. Um, But before we jump in, I want to give shout-outs to some of our supporters, so Abby Stone, Avalon Kane, and Adrian Yupanki. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing y'all's names right. Thank you all so much for the amazing support on Venmo. I super appreciate it. Anybody else, you're welcome to support um, using the link in my Instagram bio, or it will be in the show notes if you're listening on one of the several streaming platforms that we're now on, which is so awesome. (laughs) All right. With all that housekeeping out of the way, Janelle, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Hi, everyone. My name is Yaneli or Janelle Paciencia. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and a en español. And I'm coming at you from Lakewood, Colorado, which is Butte, Cheyenne, and Arapaho territory. I am a full-time child welfare social worker, and I am an outings leader with my local chapter of Latin Outdoors. I also work, um, well, volunteer as a uh, next-gen trail leader for the American Hiking Society, and I like to take photos of my friends because I think the BIPOC community is well um, overdue for representation um, in the outdoor industry. So I'm here and there. You'll see me. Um, But yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Awesome. Yes. So glad to have you on. Um, Your work is so wonderful and beautiful. And I, um, yeah, I'm psyched to hear what you have to share on this topic. Because I know that we've connected on it a little bit. um, But I think you're going to have some really great insights, especially coming from someone who's like a a social worker who's in like a kind of like helper role. Um, How you care for yourself and how, how you manage caring for other people while also caring for yourself. So, um, you were sharing, because I always start every episode by asking, when is the last time you took a nap? And that is an ode to the nap ministry who so heavily influenced this podcast. Um, and you were sharing before we officially started that you just woke up from a nap. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And how do you feel? I feel good. I, uh, woke up today at 6.30 in the morning so I can work from home early and then I went to a spin class at noon, I had lunch, I took a shower, and kind of, more often than not, like, taking a shower is my, like, when i getting ready for a nap, <laughs> or to go to sleep, you know, because you got, like, your soothing lavender body washes, and then, like, I have a kale detox face uh, wash, so I'll, like, be brushing my face, and, you know, you just come out all cleansed and feeling good, and 
take a nap before I hopped in with, with you today. And um, I try to take a nap, honestly, every day. It's just something that I'm very, like, I I go for the gold here, people, <laughs> almost every day. And it's just who I am. Um, as far as I can remember, like, I've always loved napping. And that was kind of a conflict in my family because um, just I'm the first one in my family born in the U.S. I come from a family of immigrants. They definitely had to subscribe to that hustle culture. And in hustle culture, there is absolutely no time for rest. And so because they sacrificed so much and allowed me to have a better life that came with rest. And it was just very perplexing to them. And so growing up, I was given the nickname uh, Osito, which in Spanish means little bear. And you think it's cute and endearing, but really they gave it to me kind of as a way to shame me for sleeping so much. Yeah, it's really sad. So, um, like, I've grown up to be like, whatever about it, because I love napping and like, I work hard. I get to sleep hard if I want to sleep hard. And so it's just like an interesting dynamic of different generations, you know? And so um, I like to nap. I like to put the AC up and just bundle up like a little burrito. And that's my thing. I nap all the time. <laughs> Go into your little like little bear hibernation. Yeah, I yeah, I do. And then my two uh, dogs like to come snuggle. So we'll have like a snuggle fast 2020 all the time. <laughs> Oh, I love that. I love that. Have your, has your family like come around to embrace rest now or are they still like kind of unsure about it? I definitely think now they have just because they've seen the health effects that um, not getting any rest has. So my grandmother um, came to this country, like my whole family before me is undocumented. And so they've had to do hard physical manual labor and so my grandmother at an early age developed uh, rheumatoid arthritis and just she just suffers from so many health complications and so you know everyone in my family has also seen health side effects that just not slowing down and so now they're I do I have seen them in recent years slow down but it's still kind of like oh, I feel ashamed that I have to rest. Like, I can't keep going and taking care of these people. Mm -hmm. But I'm good. I'm like, I need to take care of me. <laughs> you know, like, I can't, especially in the role that I'm in as a social worker, it's very emotionally draining for any of you out there who follow um, the Enneagrams. I'm an Enneagram too, which is the helper. And it's just who I am. I'm constantly helping in any way that I can. So professionally, just really fit for me to be a social worker um I more specifically work with the refugee population uh, refugee minors and half of which are black men black young adults and so especially right now you know with the revolution um of the Black Lives Matter movement and you know post George Floyd murder it's just been very exhausting to keep going and so um, besides napping, I've taken up also, I think Dom put it as a moving meditation. Mm -hmm. So spin classes, I've been going to spin for the past three weeks, like regularly, like at least four times a week. And so napping and also like physically just crying in my spin chair has been good, good ways for me to kind of reset and recenter and rejuvenate. 
Awesome. Um, do you feel like you played a role in your family kind of changing their perspective or willingness to rest? Is that something that you all talked about explicitly or do you think it was just like from you modeling or was it just like a, a physical, like we can't go any harder. We have to stop. Um, so quick little fact, I guess I, I haven't really been in contact with my family recently, just for a lot of reasons, but last time that we did talk like it was kind of like it's just that immigrant like hustle mentality you know the American dream is gaslit with like you gotta work hard and pull yourself up with the big straps and Mm. if you don't if you sleep you'll get swept away with the current and so it's just very hard for my family to wrap their mind around the fact that rest is powerful and rest gives you strength um in the sense that this country really doesn't set out to uplift us, <laughs> you know. And then I think it was through you who, I don't know if it was like a year ago or so, but when you started posting about the NAT ministry, I was like, oh, hell yeah, like, I'm <laughs> down with this. I'm so down with this. And um, once COVID started as well, I'm very thankful that, you know, uh, as a social worker, it is a very emotionally demanding um, career, but I'm thankful that my boss and the team, um, there's six of us, we're all very woke <laughs> BIPOC folk, which isn't really the norm, at least in Denver, most teams are made up by like white feminist women, which isn't, you know, <laughs> it isn't everyone's cup of tea and it isn't really getting us to where we need to go as a society but the fact is that my team and my boss once COVID started he would check in and he's like hey have you napped today and it would be the middle of the work day and I was like you know at first I was like nervous because um we were working from home and obviously when we're working at the office we're not napping at our cubicles so just that I'm at home and he's asking me if I've napped I'm like what do you mean he's like yeah we're living through a pandemic you're allowed to rest this is so exhausting and I was just like, oh, my God, yes. You know what? I did take a nap today, and I'm going to take a nap tomorrow, and I'm going to take a nap the day after that. And he was like, yes, yes, take a break. Take a nap, please. It's anti-capitalism. Do it. And I was like, thank you. Oh <laughs> I'm very God. grateful to have a boss and team members who are like, hmm. With, with me. <laughs> yeah, that's so refreshing to hear to have like someone who who is your boss who's like, you know, in charge of your productivity, quote unquote, to be like, yeah, take a break, take a rest, take a rest. You deserve it. We're all dealing with this stuff at work, outside of work. Like, it's so refreshing to hear that there are people recognizing that and then passing that on to their employees or the people that they have the ability to to give permission to like we talk about giving ourselves permission to rest, but sometimes you literally have to get permission from other people. And that's awesome to hear that he's giving that to you and like encouraging you to take care of yourself in that way. Yeah. So that was planned. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I wanted to just like kind of dig a little deeper into your history with rest. And I'm wondering if you have a favorite rest memory whether that's from like early childhood or you know like even more recent history um rest memory 
I think now as an adult, my favorite, uh, my favorite way to rest is like to work out first Mm -hmm. and then come home. And like I mentioned, like, just get clean and feel like, oh, yes, everything's good in life. (laughs) I washed it all away in this rest. And as a child, like, uh, I remember pretty much my ritual would be to come from school, eat Lucky Charms while I'm watching the prices right reruns and then take a nap and then wake up to my grandma yelling at me. But I'd be like, it's cool. I took a nap. <laughs> Get hopped up on sugar, have the sugar crash and then take a nap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just always love to rest. And, you know, unfortunately, just because my family was getting what they thought was, um, it was just survival mode, you know, um, rest wasn't part of surviving rest was part of perishing. And so, you know, the fact that I was shamed growing up resting made me feel like different, but now as an adult, I'm like, I'm resting. You should rest. You should rest. Oh my God, let's all take a nap. And yeah, I'm, I'm a big like nap ministry follower as well. now. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And that's something that we try to acknowledge on the podcast is that rest is such a privilege because there are so many people who can't rest for a myriad of reasons, be it because if they stop resting, then they'll lose their job. And if they lose their job, they can't afford childcare or healthcare or food or, you know, whatever it is. There are all these barriers to rest. Um, And that's something that we've dug into with other guests on the show is like how we can lower some of those barriers to rest. And it sounds like your boss is providing um, some of that, access for you all at work and I would love to see other employers doing the same it's it's awesome like when he told me I was like oh, he caught me like how does he know? <laughs> you thought you were in trouble <laughs> yeah I thought I was in trouble but he's like no we're living through an effing pandemic like go to sleep if you want to go to sleep I was like yeah and so you know I know other people who work from home and I'll be like checking on my day to to do nap today because you totally can you're working from home <laughs> <laughs> you're like scamming other people's work for them you're like you don't have to tell your boss just do it just do it yeah just do it <laughs> yeah. oh man working for myself I feel like I rest less during the day because I feel so much pressure to like just keep going and like get everything done because I'm like a one-person team now so it's a little bit intimidating but I'm trying to scale back and like schedule in rest time for myself and like give myself permission to take breaks you took like a four and a half hour nap earlier this week didn't you like you texted me and I was like oh man that sounds amazing from 11 to 3 30 and whatnot so yeah (laughs) I did take a four and a half hour nap it wasn't scheduled it wasn't planned um I didn't realize how tired I was so I didn't even set an alarm and we actually had a call scheduled which the universe was looking out for us, and we both missed it. So it didn't end up having any serious consequences, but I woke up and I was like, oh no, I left Janelle hanging. Like I was supposed to be on the phone with her two hours ago. So thankfully that all worked out and I got to rest and nobody got their time wasted and it was great. (laughs) Yeah. I would like to add though that um, even though I have a bit, even though I have been a huge like napper and rester and like finding ways to carve out space for myself and my mental health, it has shifted 
since I've gotten married. Um, so for those of you who know, I'm very happily married to a white man named Luke. <laughs> and I have to say that because it gives you a little bit of context to what I'm about to say. So um, growing up, you know, money just, we, we, my grandma was like, close the fridge, turn off the AC, this and that, like, you know, like everything to save money. Right. And so for me, like going to sleep is in a dark, cool room where it's quiet. No one bugs you. That's it. And, uh, with Luke, I have learned that you can put on a uh, white noise music. And at first it would really bug me. I'm like, why am I listening to the ocean? We're in Colorado. Like this doesn't make sense. Um, <laughs> you know, and it would keep me up at night at first. And then now it's to a point where if we don't have background noise, I will still fall asleep, but it just feels like it's a lot more gentle. Um, that and the office, the office is in the background and I can fall asleep <laughs> just because that's an all time favorite show in the world so something wholesome and familiar (laughs) it's like the netflix version of like a teddy bear or like a blankie yes Yes, it's like my weighted blanket (laughs) oh man i i relate to that i love the office and any any like um yeah white noise or soothing soothing um sounds i know jael and i were talking last week about um how when we were camping together last year, we would turn on rain sounds and that's how we would fall asleep together. Cause it's just, yeah, it's so comforting and it kind of helps you turn your mind off. Cause I find that my mind sometimes races, especially if I'm trying to pause in the middle of the work day. Do you ever find that happens for you or are you pretty easy? Is it pretty easy for you to just like turn it off? It definitely depends on the kind of day I'm having. If I'm totally tapped out, it'll be easier for me. But if I have a lot of things kind of queued up for the next day or later on that day, like I have so much anxiety and I turn on the right music to try to soothe me, but I'm just like, I feel it's like competing thoughts. So I have to like pick one or, one or the other, either like, like completely like I'll take a melatonin now that's also a thing that I didn't know people did until recently <laughs> I was like what well, is melatonin you know it's helping you go to sleep I'm like don't you just close your eyes and go to sleep and they're like no <laughs> I didn't know about these things you know science and knowledge like the older you get that would be cool so we took melatonin as well before we go to sleep and that helps um if I have like too much stuff going on in my mind yeah. Um, shout out to my white mom who put me on melatonin very early in life. Not like regularly, like, but she was the one who told me like, if you can't sleep, you can take melatonin. So yes, I do take that occasionally and I find it helps a lot. Yeah. So now I'm a huge melatonin-er. A melatonin-er. <laughs> melatonin. Do you take it in the middle of the day though? Or is that just at night? Okay. At the end of the night, like, We'll be watching The Office, vegging out, and then I'll take a melatonin, and then The Office is playing, and then sometimes we have a timer set on the white noise music, and we'll just go to sleep. Okay. It's very awesome. Peaceful. 
Yeah, I was going to be impressed if you take that in the middle of the day and then, like, are able to jump back into work. So I'm like, that gets me down for a full eight hours. No. I'm pretty sure, like, labels says don't, like, drive or anything like that on it, too. Yeah, it's low-key, like, NyQuil or something. It's pretty powerful. Especially if you don't take it regularly because you can, like, build up a tolerance to it. This is not a melatonin podcast. <laughs> not sponsored not by melatonin. By any melatonin company, y'all. We just believe in science, and it's really great for you if you need a little extra boost to knock you out. <laughs> exactly. And if you are an adult child like me and need the gummy kind, they sell those too, which are delicious. <laughs> All right. So I'm curious. Um, because you are so careful to prioritize your rest is what it sounds like. And you really, um, make it a point to take care of yourself in that way every day. So I'm wondering what are some things that you have had to maybe sacrifice or kind of say no to in order to prioritize your daily naps and your other forms of self-care? And also, what, is it, what does it feel like to say no to working in favor of resting? So, <coughs> pardon me. Um, as a social worker, I pretty much make up my own schedule um, when I can see kiddos in the home. Uh, now, because of COVID, I just stand outside their lawns a little bit creepily, creepy, creepy like, and I'm like, hey, you alive? Good. <laughs> Because I'm not, you know, COVID, I can't go inside the homes anymore. But the thing is that I make up my own schedule and I try to spread things out throughout the month. And um, I've, I've been working as a social worker for about three years now. And so I've done really good to the point where I schedule a little bit every day so that I have time to rest or just end my day early so I can go rest or go work out or whatever it is. Um, so that's been very helpful. And as far as the other extra stuff that I do in my life, um, I'm a people pleaser. I really try to do a lot all the time. Somebody will text me and I will drop and try to help them right then and there. Um, but most recently, especially with COVID and I have had a loved one pass away because of COVID. So y'all please wear your masks. Um, but with that, that took like a huge emotional toll on me. I was constantly tired, mostly just because I wanted to shut off, shut off, shut off everything really. And, um, during that time I got, uh, emails from people like, Hey, we'd like to interview for this, or we'd like to recommend you for this. And I just had to say, no, like, that's awesome. I wish I could help. I don't have the emotional bandwidth for that right now. And I don't think I would have gotten to this point in my life where I feel empowered to say no if it wasn't for the fact that I had such powerful influences around me, such as, like, my boss and you and, like, you know, Monse and other people in my life, Jess, um, who, who, like, practice what they preach as well. And just seeing it being modeled gives me the confidence that I should be able to do that too so thank you so much Laura I really appreciate it (laughs) of course of course I um it's my pleasure and I'm glad to hear that um and I hope that people are are seeing you model on like in the way that you're doing things and then learning from you and then it's just getting like 
passed on because it's, it's not something that I came up with, obviously. It's something <laughs> I've definitely seen modeled and I, that's all I ever try to do is just like give people whatever permission they need, whether it's from themselves or from whoever, to take time for themselves and to feel, like you said, empowered to do that. Um, because I think capitalism really will get you hard and have you thinking that you can't say no because if you say no, then you might not get another opportunity because of that scarcity right. model or because like if you don't, you have to get every dollar that's on the table for you. Like you have to get every single thing. And if you don't, then you're not doing it right. Um, right. Yeah. That's exactly how I grew up. Like my grandmother would be like, don't ever say no to any opportunity because opportunity is not going to come knocking twice on the door. And so it was this constant like in my mind, it was like that gerbil and the <laughs> little wheel. It's like, I have to keep going because if I stop, what happens? Like, I don't know what happens after that, but, you know, learning from others and then having a very healthy work environment. Um, like the other night I went out with my coworkers and my boss also happens to be a poet. And um, at this event, they realized that he was there. They came up to him and asked to ask him, if he could open up the ceremony with a poem and he like modeled saying no to them. He was like, I came here as a guest, like I really appreciate it, but no, like I'm going to remain a guest. And so just having all these positive role models, reinforcing the fact that we are allowed to rest as people of color were long overdue for rest. Like it's just what a time to be alive, honestly. And I, I honestly wish my family would have, um, had those opportunities and I don't like like I said before I don't I'm not upset with them or anything it's just they had to survive and I've been given the privilege of of, of rest as an option yeah yeah I think that's another um theme that we try to keep in mind on the podcast is that for black and indigenous other people of color rest is so necessary because we in particular have been like ground down by capitalism. Like we are on the front lines of capitalism's evils, you know, like thinking back to slavery, my ancestors were not like the rest was deadly for them. Um, it is still today for some folks. And so I try and think of it that way and frame like whenever I am questioning whether or not, uh, should I really, take a nap today or like do I really need to take a break it's like even if it's not for me it's a way for me to honor my ancestors um in that way so I'm glad that you you mentioned that point um and I love your boss I forgot that he wrote that I, I shared one of his beautiful poems um maybe a month or so ago and didn't realize who it was and you wrote me and you're like oh that's my boss and that's I I forgot that about yeah. him <laughs> A quick plug, just because I'm so proud of him. I have nothing, obviously, to do with what he does now, but just, it's like, I'm proud of him. He's the, he's the um, poet laureate of the state of Colorado. So we go anywhere, and he knows, like, a million people there. So it's kind of funny to go out with them. But, yeah, like, he's constant. We, we have constant conversations about rest and capitalism and just as brown people like what it means to honor like you said honor our ancestors that they gave up so much so that we could last yeah absolutely and then you know like our elders who are still here with us showing them that it is an option 
if they if they want it, you know, like I know we said earlier, like it's not always an option for everyone, but if you do have the freedom to rest, then you can take it without feeling guilty um, and just use it as a way to take care of yourself. Because I know so many of them have spent their lives pouring back into their families and into their communities. And I think like you were saying, it's an opportunity to model um, a different way. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so you, you were talking about like how things are different for you at work because of COVID. And I know that a lot of us are experiencing life just drastically differently than we could have ever imagined. Um, and one of the things that's been born out of all of this time at home, time alone, is this pressure to be doing things, whether it's making sourdough or, you know, like writing a book or whatever it may be. So I'm wondering, are you feeling any of that pressure? Um, and how are you navigating it? So I have to be honest in the beginning, I was like, I have to do more because I'm always like out of time to do stuff. And now that I have so much time, I was like, this is because capitalism taught us to treat every moment as a moment to do something. Um, so, and then I would not get anything done because I was so exhausted from all the emotional work that I would have to do remotely for work. And then just keeping up with the news and just constant, uh, consumption of, you know, everything happening in the world, I, w- I would rest more. And I remember that there was a meme going around that really made me feel guilty. It was, um, I think it said, now with COVID, you have so much time. So if you don't come out of this with a new hobby or a new language, um, then you, it's not a matter of not having the time. It's a matter of not having the motivation or something along the lines. Mm-hmm. It was just very, you know, like guilt trippy. <laughs> At first I like internalized that. I was like, wow, like I really suck, <laughs> you know? And then I did have conversations with people around it. And thankfully, like soon after people were like, no, this is capitalistic, like rest, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> thank you for like, redirecting me in the right direction in the light I almost stepped away from the light but now I'm back here um and so you know um I didn't make any bread I didn't start any gardens I my boss made a shed um but I did not uh I mostly slept and it was great because what did we do oh I watched all the Star Wars movies and for the first time ever in my life which I am like, okay, I could have done without it. But I did that. (laughs) (laughs) I did that. (laughs) I rewatched recently all of Downton Abbey, which I would do again. But, like, I've just had time to just be, like, okay with being in the moment instead of, like, okay, if I do this today, then tomorrow I'll reap the reward of sourdough bread or this and that and blah, blah, blah. You know, for people that liked it and enjoyed it, that's great for them. But, like, for me, I just wanted to chill because I feel like before COVID, I felt like as a brown creative in the outdoor industry and as a healer, as someone who goes out in the community and helps, like, I just feel like constantly people want something from me. And, you know, like, for once, it was an opportunity for me to be like, I'm going to be here for me now. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Um, and I think 
that there is so much value in taking that break and taking time to heal yourself. Because as you said, you do so much work, um, whether it's through, you know, your nine to five with social work um, or like out in the community, like in the outdoor space, like you are doing so much. So I love that you um, were able to take that time and like not give a second thought to the stupid meme. How... Man, and I don't want to like direct it at whoever made the meme because I know that capitalism just has a hold on them too. But I'm just like, oh, I wish I could just wake you up a little bit. (laughs) For a second, it hurt. But then afterwards, I was like, nah. (laughs) Well, good. I'm glad. I'm I'm glad that um, you had that support system around to kind of remind you that that meme was nonsense and you didn't need to pay any mind. Yeah. And I think the fact my husband as well, he's he goes hard for vegging out as well. So we had each other's backs when it came to just like chilling. Um, he just posted, we also finished that 70 show. And that's true. We watched that 70 show from the beginning to end. And it was wonderful. Oh, so. Awesome. I think I did uh, Tiger King, like everybody else. Yes. Um, Game Love of Thrones. Right? Isn't that Love is Blind. Love? Yep. Did Love is Blind. Um, Game of Thrones. Watched from the beginning. Yeah, it was it was a good time. I actually watched the the entirety of The Office because I'd never seen the whole thing. Speaking Aww. of The Office, um, so I want to talk about the work that you do, like nine to five, your social work job that you've referenced a few times, and the kids that you work with. Do you like try and instill any of this in them? Do you try and like talk to them about? incorporating rest into their daily routine or like the importance of rest and what impact that can have on them? Yes. Um, so as I mentioned before, all the kids that I work with are refugee children. So they're all BIPOC kids. Um, and unfortunately they have gone through traumas at such a young age that really no one in this world should have the experience that they have. And so them being in survival brain mode is really hard for them to switch off. And, you know, after a while, they'll get used to how things work in the United States. And, um, but still, it, you know, um, we do have to talk to them about how, okay, so for example, sometimes we get um, cohorts of like siblings and, like, one sibling is used to being, like, the parental figure, and now they're in a safe, loving foster home, and it's hard for them to, like, switch off that role and be a child themselves. So we're constantly talking to the children about how their only job is to be children, which is, like, go to school, and then, like, you know, once you become of age, then we'll help you find a part-time job, and just enjoy this time for us, because... Unfortunately, he went through traumas that he shouldn't have had to. And um, with COVID, um, I do have some busy bodies with COVID. They're like, we're bored, this and that. And um, some of them I I have recommended to therapy because it's like, besides being bored, I feel like there's some more underlying issues that have been coming out because of your boredom. And so... um, resting and finding peace of mind peace of spirit has been something that we've been really pushing during this time and um again about half the kids that I work for are black boys they're black young men 
And so helping them also understand the racial injustices in this country has been a big task that, you know, at the end we we um, encourage them to become involved if they so choose. Um, but if not, then just taking the time to protect themselves, their minds and their bodies is all we really want from them. Um, so it's been it's been interesting, um, but we definitely preach rest and self-care for, for all our children just because they deserve it. Yeah, absolutely. Just, oh my goodness, having this space and freedom to just be a kid is something that so many of us don't get to experience and don't get to experience for as long as we should be able to. Um, and I know folks that are working to reclaim that as adults, but it's, it's just not the same. Um, and yeah, it's something that you never get back. So I love that you're prioritizing that with them. Is that something that you're doing like as an individual or is that something that your team incorporates into their work, into like all of your work as a whole? Um, it's, it's a combination of both. And like, you know, I'm a huge like self-care and rest, um, advocate. And then just part of the work now, social work gets a pretty, especially child welfare, social work gets a pretty bad rap just because we have a pretty bad history. It's, it's bad. Um, but at least in the city and county of Denver, for which I, um, the agency that I work for, the department of human services, um, there are a lot of people in leadership positions who have been really pushing the agency to move in this direction of viewing the children as children and not young adults until it's time for them to actually be young adults. And with being children comes the territory of having the privilege to like, not have to deal with all the BS that we have to as children's yeah. So it's been really great to work with great team members who really push for self-care for these children to have self-care just because they don't know what that looks like. And therefore we have to like bring it to their attention and then model it for them or like give them resources so that they can find that type of rest that fits their needs. So, you know, I have one kiddo who has recently taken up tennis. She likes to be moving all the time, but Sometimes if she's moving too much, she she has like emotional episodes. And so we're trying to find some form of uh, scheduled, defined exercise that'll help her like stay on task and hopefully be um, more emotionally good and things like that, like helping the kids and then talking to the foster parents as well, asking them what they're doing to model. Because, you know, I always see my kids kids once a month if there's a lot of things going on I'll go like every week or every other week but um I work with the foster parents to ask them what they're doing themselves in order to model that for the children so I'll ask the foster parents like are you going to therapy like what are you doing I I'm looking through my notes the last time you had respite or you went on a vacation and we put the kids in respite was like seven months ago like are you okay and so just a matter of like checking in with people and being real and then, like, I myself have been very open and direct with the families and the kids that I work with. And I let them know, like, hey, like, I'm seeking therapy for myself right now. Like, and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm napping during the day. You should do it. I'm an adult, you know? So it's just a matter of being, like, human. Like, showing how human is, like, the human side of you. And um, I'm not just a scary person who shows up once a month at, at the door and is like, hey, 
let me see your room. It's not like that anymore, at least in child welfare, social work here. Yeah, I think um, an important part of of um, what you're talking about is just being willing to be vulnerable because so many of us try and present like machines at work, like, oh, yes, I can get all of it done in the 40 hours a week that I'm supposed to coming in from nine to five every day with my 30 minute lunch break or whatever. And it's like, that's not serving us. And I think especially with um, the black boys that you're working with, like, I think most of us are aware that there's this like adultification that happens of black children and black and brown children. Um, And so I think it's really powerful that you are prioritizing seeing them as children first and giving them that freedom to just be children um, and explore that period of their life for as long as they can. Um, I'm curious, what are some of the other like tools and strategies? You mentioned tennis um, and like talk therapy. What are some of the other tools and strategies that you give or um, offer for the kids that you work with when you're trying to help them find ways to rest? Um, so I, I don't really, uh, get into podcasts or anything like that, but I've seen that podcasts are very helpful for some of my friends. And so I've offered it, um, as a tool for some of my youth. So find a podcast, uh, on a topic that you really like and like, you know, during the middle of the day or as you're going to sleep in order to help you find a rhythm of rest, um, I have a kiddo who does 20 minutes of meditation, guided meditation through a podcast every day. Um, It's just finding out what that child likes and then finding something that would complement it or be something that would help offset that struggle that they're in, you know. Um, What kind of changes do you notice when they find a practice that works for them? Do you see, like, pretty immediate shift in behavior or like any anything along those lines that you see when when they find something that works for them uh some kids yes immediately and a lot and then a lot of kids it takes a lot of work um just again they are they are um they're adults in their minds they're adults you know the things that they've had to endure um, they're adults and so just trying to help them reset that mind to like you're allowed to rest because you're a child is is sometimes a point of tension mm-hmm. just because they're like oh, treat me like a child and it's like but you are a child you're 15 <laughs> you know <laughs> and so um just helping them navigate what that means especially living in Colorado which is very predominantly white um just helping navigate these spaces and opportunities for rest or self-care or connecting with other community members um, in order for that peer-to-peer connection and um, peer-to-peer modeling um, that benefits some of our kids. You know, they'll, they won't listen to me, but like if I tell them, hey, you'll hang out with this other kid. He used to be in the refugee program too, but now he's like doing really well. Go hang out with him they'll go hang out and then they'll come back and it's like, so-and-so told me this. I'm like, hmm, I wonder who told you that. <laughs> wonder where he learned it. <laughs> I'm like, all right, Miss Janelle, you're right. I'm like, yeah, I know I'm right. <laughs> but anyway, it's just a matter of uh, getting to know these kids on a, on a real level and finding out what makes them tick and what might help and 
sometimes it's trial and error and sometimes we hit it out of the ballpark right away. So, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, that's really cute. And they're like, oh, well, my new friend told me this. And it's like, oh, I've been telling you that for a month and a half now, but cool. <laughs> and then, you know, I have to be like, you know, I was 15 once. I never listened to what adults told me, but if Maria told me this, then I'd be like, oh, yeah, let's do it. It was the same thing my mom told me. Exactly. I mean, they, they're like, are adults or have been treated like adults on some level and think of themselves as adults, but it's like... I still recognize that teenage behavior. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, So you were talking about like the need for them to tap into community and like find connections that way. I'm wondering if um, there are like certain elements of community care that you try and incorporate into your personal rest practices or that you engage in to support other people. Thanks. It wasn't on the uh, question list I sent you, but I'd love to hear your answer. What was that? I said it wasn't on the question list I sent you, but I'd love to hear your answer. Okay. Could you say it one more time? Mostly to buy myself time to think about it. Um, What are some community care practices that you tap into for your personal rest um, regime or community care practices that you try and engage in to support other people? I'm going to also take this opportunity to say we are going to wrap up in about 15 minutes. So if anybody has questions for Janelle, use the question button and we'll get to those at the very end. I mean... that was a really good question Mara. you haven't stopped because like for me I usually I'm the one who's like there I'm the one helping I'm the one like who wants to do this I'm doing it don't even ask anybody else like I'm doing it and so you know just the fact that um afterwards I practice self-care to the best of my abilities and let other other people know that what I'm what I'm doing to fill up my cup yes that's it yeah and so I'll ask people every now to every now and again as well on my uh Instagram like what are you doing to fill up your cup and you know like just remember like we're humans we're not robots like you said yeah trying Um, to normalize it trying to normalize it yeah I think it's hard for a lot of us um in like the kind of serving or helping space to allow ourselves to be helped I know that's something that I struggle with really deeply um, is letting people help me. And I have like people who are close to me, they'll call me on it because I know it by now, like uh, Jael was on last week and she is very good about that. She's like, hey, I'm checking in with you whether you want me to or not. <laughs> so, awesome. um, yeah, I find I find that really relatable. Like, how do you let people take care of you when you're always the one in the caregiving role? Yeah, that has been a struggle for me as well, um, especially because I'm trying to work on um, taking the words sorry or things like sorry for taking up your time out of my vocabulary in that sense, um, you know, is just something that I guess as a woman and especially a woman of color, it's like ingrained, to, ingrained that you should be 
the one caring for others mm. and like let's let's rest like you know so the fact that you know if I have to reach out it's like hey sorry to bug you but can I ask you for this or like if you can't no worries like I think that's how I pretty much end like all my texts or phone calls where I'm like hey I need help but if you can't no worries even though deep down inside it's like please help me I can't do this on my own it's it's hard to ask for help um I'm working on it. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. We're taught to like take up as little space and resources as we can and just like self, like take care of ourselves and then give whatever else we have to everyone else. And so then when it comes time for us to like be poured back into using your metaphor of the cup, it can be really hard. Um, okay. We did get a question. Nikki Smith asked, Oh, it's not popping up, but I know that she did ask. Um, she wants to know about your um, skincare routine. She was noting your beautiful glow in the photo that we used uh, to promote your episode. She wanted to know about your skincare routine. And if you all don't know Nikki, Nikki is going to be on the podcast next week or in two weeks. She's another amazing outdoor photographer as well. Um, Nikki Smith. So definitely check out her page. Um but Janelle, would you like to tell us about your beautiful glowing skincare routine and how you use that to tie into like your rest practices? Nikki, I love you so much, but the truth is I should be my skincare routine. It's very minimal. Um, you know, when Katie was on the podcast and she was talking about the cool mask, it's something so simple, but it never occurred to me. And after she uh, mentioned that, it, I put it on my shopping um like a little note to like buy it next time if I see it at Target or something like that. Um, but honestly, um, when I when I'm showering, I use a it's called a, a kale detox face scrub, and I just use like a little brush. And then um, I went to an event where they were promoting this like new moisturizer and it was free and it was vegan. So I took two of them and they have not run out since October. <laughs> I love free. Um, so I use that as well. And then I use uh, some other vegan products, um, but I use very little, but I appreciate you, Nikki, for asking and thinking that I have glowing skin. <laughs> <laughs> you do. You do have beautiful skin. Um, and I know exactly the kale detox face wash the pacifica one that you're talking about because i've used it as well and it's very nice <laughs> did you use it like when you were in my house last time i might have <laughs> i might I, have. Like, remember setting it out because i was like oh i need like vegan products too like let me product placement here just in case she wants to use it oh my gosh you're so cute um yeah i've been trying to like dial my skincare routine back because i know when you, Jaylin, and I were on our trip last year, um, <laughs> it was a little intense. It was like a little extra, as the kids it say. Was a lot. <laughs> I, um, after that trip, like I was on a mission to like up my face routine because I was like, if Laura can do it, like I can do it. And then it just never got to the point, so I can't do it. <laughs> Hey, um, you can. Yeah, just like a little face scrub, a moisturizer, a little bit of like cream to help me kind of like fix the tones and then eyeliner and then I'm good to go. And then COVID has totally given me the confidence to do 
the very least, honestly. I, like, go out, and I'm like, don't care. So it's been nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, doing the least is very relatable right now. I have um, the onesie that I slept in tied around my waist as pants. <laughs> um, and I put on like a regular t-shirt. <laughs> so that would look somewhat presentable. I put on a little bit of makeup today because I was like, this is going to be recorded and watched forever and ever and ever. I should put a little bit of effort. I tried to like curl my hair because I do have naturally curly hair but it gets mm-hmm. wonky when we certain temperature or whatever I and then that. I wanted to do like Katie and put on something that's kind of my traditional heritage I couldn't find it so I was like I'll just wear my in solidarity shirt instead but I wanted to like look all Mm, yeah know. no I noticed I noticed that you do look very good and I did notice your t-shirt because I have the same one I was like ooh, repping the bad gal bricky <laughs> um we have another question as a photographer how do you see creativity and rest can they work together I know it's like creativity is like creating something which is effort if not work so how do you combine that with rest or how do you balance that with rest um so I don't know um if this answers your question don't uh, boycott black diamond people but um because I have a, a, a regular nine to five, um, I have the, I feel that I have the ability to say no to photography gigs and certain things, which has been really nice. Um, in the past, I've been like, oh man, I really want to do photography full time. But if there's anything that COVID has taught me is that, you know, having a, this social work job is pretty, pretty nice. Cause, uh, I've only, I'm only like slated to be furloughed eight days total this year, which, you know, is a really huge blessing and privilege. Cause I know a lot of people have been unemployed and furloughed for an undetermined amount of time. But getting back to my original <laughs> statement is that I don't feel like I have to hustle, hustle from gig to gig to gig. Um, I can rest and say no to certain things. And like, I'm going to admit, I don't get asked to do a lot of stuff anyways to begin with. Which you should be. Every brand that's watching this (laughs) should hire her. Her work is amazing. (laughs) I don't get asked a lot, but what I do, I I am given, because I don't get asked that often, I have the ability to research these groups or whatever it is. And like, try to see if it aligns with what I want my work to be um, backing or representing. Um, so that, in a way, feels restful for me that I don't have to be, like, stirring from one job to another, trying to, like, compete with my fellow photographer friends or anything like that. Yeah. I don't know if that answered your question. I'm sorry if it didn't, but that's the best that I could think of right now. <laughs> No, I think you, I think you answered it. I mean, I didn't ask it, but I think you answered it (laughs) because yeah, you kind of, you're talking about how like you balance, um, your creative work with, while still prioritizing your rest and your self care and boycott black diamond said that was awesome. So you definitely answered the question. Um, 
and yeah, I think having that, that other like full-time job gives you, like you were talking about the freedom to pursue your creative, um, interests when like on your schedule and when it's going to serve you and not just because you have to do it to make money. Right. Um, so yeah, that's been nice. Cause then it also gives, I feel like it gives me the opportunity to feel empowered to be like no to a lot of people, um, or to some people, <laughs> um, you know, like, no, I don't want to be your token brown creative. I don't like your company or this and that, or, you know, like I don't have the time for it now or whatever. So, um, it feels nice to say no to some people. Yes. Brown women reclaiming our power 2020. I love it. Um, All right. So Instagram is giving us like a minute warning or they're going to kick us off. So we're going to wrap things up. Thank you so much for being such a wonderful guest. This was such an incredible conversation. And I feel like we really brought um, a new perspective that we haven't yet had on the podcast. So I'm so glad that I got to have you on. Thank you so much for your time. Um, thank you everybody who's listening, tuning in, asking questions, being part of the conversation. I super appreciate all of you. Um, Abby, Avalon, Adrian, everyone who donated on Venmo. If you would like to support the podcast, Venmo, PayPal, Patreon, those are all available in the uh, description Uh, or in my bio on Instagram and they'll also be in the show notes on all of the streaming services that we're now on uh, Apple Podcasts Spotify, SoundCloud Instagram, it'll all be there Um, tune in next week we're going to have Nikki Smith another amazing outdoor photographer who I'm super excited to chat with Um, so yeah, I hope that you all get the rest and care that you need this week and I will see you all next Thursday bye bye